Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform and influence. My name is Nicola. And my name is Molly. In this season of the Lost and Founded podcast, we are spotlighting entrepreneurs with a purposeful business, highlighting their personal journey and recognizing the value they create through their business. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Charlene Hunter, founder of Coding Black Females. Charlene is an award-winning software developer, CEO, and founder. She holds a bachelor's in mathematics and a master's in computer science and has over 10 years of experience in industry using a range of languages and technologies. In 2017, Charlene had worked for years in the tech industry without meeting any other black female developers. However, after seeing a screening of the film Hidden Figures, she went home inspired and immediately set up Coding Black Females on Meetup. From there, Coding Black Females was born to inspire, provide opportunities and showcase talents of black women in tech. As a non-profit organization, Coding Black Females' primary aim is to provide opportunities for black female developers to develop themselves, meet familiar faces, network, receive support, and build relationships through having regular meetups. Welcome, Charlene. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much. (laughs) Good to hear it. Thank you for coming. Can you tell us more about Coding Black Females and what your daily routine generally looks like? Absolutely. Um, Code of Black Females is this fantastic organisation that I've managed to be a part of for the last five years. Um, So we're really focused on enabling, you know, as you said, enabling more Black women to get into tech, but also progress through it. And a lot of that is to do with inspiring people, um, showcasing role models, providing different opportunities. So we have a lot of focus on getting people into the industry, getting people jobs, getting people promoted as well. We do loads and loads and loads of events, more events than I ever ever imagined that we'd actually be doing. So we do about two events a week, which is insane. Um, And then we do um, mentor programs and a lot of training too. So we do quite a lot, um, all with the view of progressing people within the community. Um, As you said, I was massively inspired by Hidden Figures. So I watched that movie and saw myself in it. And I'd never seen myself in a movie before. So I wanted to go home and just meet other people who were actually like me and were also in this industry and having a great time. And then over time, it's really progressed into this platform, this this community that we can enable people um, in a way that I'd never really imagined. It's been amazing. Amazing. And I'm sure you are very tired from having two events a week. We do events, you know, here and there, and they're yeah. exhausting enough. So I side with you on that one. Luckily, it's not just me, it's also the team. So, of course, of <laughs> course. But so you're all tired together, which makes yeah, it just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, just going back to the theme of this season, how would you actually define what a purposeful business is to you? And if you can go into a little bit more about what makes coding black females one, because, you know, purpose is a term that everybody takes their own way. So, if you could give, give us your own interpretation. Um, I would say it's interesting. So I've, and, and it's it's interesting because it's just a word, right? So I've always wanted to do something with purpose and I've always wanted to work somewhere that matched my values. So I've looked at whether companies that I work for are looking after their own people, looking after external people, if they, um, you know, if they care, if they're working on things that actually matter in society. Um, so I don't know, am I I was going to give a really bad example of building printers. That's the first thing I saw. Printers are very purposeful, sure, as well. But, you know, it's, am I actually impacting people? 
And that was something that was very important to me, was being able to impact people. And, and that's what I see purpose as. So the sheer fact that we're able to impact people through the community, through Coding Black Females, that to me makes it purposeful because I can see the, the purpose in, in all the people that we do work with and, and the impact that we have on a one-to-one basis as well means so much um, that, yeah, I, w- I would class that definitely as what purpose is to me. Amazing. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, could you tell us, you've kind of touched on this already, but what motivated you to start up Coding Black Females and what steps were essential to the early stages of it? Um, so again, the, the initial motivation was really because I was inspired. So I saw something that made me feel like I belonged and I wanted to create that belonging for other people if they didn't already have it. So that was the initial um, starting point. Um, I think a lot of people think that I created it because I felt lonely and I, you know, I, I noticed all these bad things in the industry, but it was because I loved my job. I loved being in tech. I loved being in, in the industry and I wanted other black women to experience the thing that I loved. So I wanted to meet people that were already loving it and, and also meet people who would go on to love it eventually. So that was really what it was about. I wanted to bring people together in an industry that I find really exciting. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was the second question? That's fine. Um, what steps were essential to the early stages of it? So the the steps, I would say, initially, there was, I created a meetup group and I wanted to have a space where I could bring people together. To me, the reason that meetup was important at the very early stage was that it was a community-based platform. I was on it trying to meet other people and you could go there, create something that had some keywords and bring people together based on keywords and location. So it was about meeting people. It was about bringing people together. So I, for me, it was find a platform that enables me to bring people together with almost no effort because I didn't really know about social. I don't really use social media that much. I don't really do all the other stuff. So I had to use something that would do the work for me and, and Meetup did that. Um, so again, initially it was about building that community, finding people that you could bring together. And then the next thing was about sharing, sharing my passion with other people, which I didn't start off by doing. So the community that I was building, they would know about the passion, but people around me, my friends, my family, they didn't know about what I loved. They didn't know about this community that I was growing. And when I started talking about it, that's when it started changing. And that's when it started evolving because I could explore those ideas that I was having and they would give ideas as well. And we could make it into something better. So I would say, you know, build the community, find the right space to do that. Talk to people about it. So important to actually speak about it out loud and get ideas and formulate your ideas. Um, But then also start building a team and bring people together that can share in your passion and and work on your mission with you. Um, Because you can't do everything on your own. It's actually really tiring to do it all on your own and really hard. And when you bring other people in, they bring ideas, they bring new passion, they bring alternative perspectives, and it makes it even more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. You don't want to feel any loneliness. You know, you you can get a supportive team. You have everything you need. You can't do everything yourself. And we had briefly just talked about, you know, your educational experiences, you know, with your bachelor's and everything. So can you tell us a little bit more about them and what part they actually played when you were setting up Coding Black Females based off of your different degrees? Um. So I would say that the the interesting thing about my degree is, so I did I did a maths degree, I did maths and A level, maths and further maths at A level. I, I've always been into maths, and then I did a computer science masters. And the company that I first worked at, they were very focused on people who had degrees in computer science, as a lot of companies still are. You know, it's not 
it's still very normal that companies are trying to figure out how to move away from that. But I would say that I thought I was going to meet a lot of people with computer science degrees um, who were exactly the same as me. And it was interesting and refreshing to know that that's actually not what the industry looks like and the industry was changing. Um, So for me, yeah, the, the degree was there. But actually, I started realizing through the community that you could actually have any background um, because, you know, there's so many boot camps out there. There's conversion courses. There's there's online learning, so many online courses that you can do that I realized that actually the entry point to tech is different to how I'd initially imagined it to be, um, which was extremely exciting for me. So I would say it was it was there as something that I had, but it didn't necessarily impact what I thought it would or it didn't have the impact on the community that I thought it would, because actually there were many other doors that I didn't know about previously. Great. I think that's probably something that will be really interesting for our listeners to hear about as well, that there are different ways of getting into the industry. As a non-profit organisation, what various methods do Coding Black Females use to receive funding? Um, So we've got a few different methods that we use. Um, We have some people that give donations, which is extremely appreciated. Um, So when we get donations in, we use that to do our giveaways. Um, Initially, we use it to automate as many processes as we could because it was actually really hard doing everything. So that's how we use our donations. We we give that back to the community directly. Um, We also get a lot of corporate funding. So that really supports um, us in enabling not just the the corporate mission, but that essentially enables our mission because they also believe in our mission. They believe in what we're trying to achieve. So we have a lot of corporate funding that supports with that. And when I say a lot, it's not actually that much, but it's it's enough to support what we're trying to do. And then we also um, get grant funding as well. So there might be grants that we could apply for that will enable us to to run a particular boot camp or run a particular type of um, event, if you know what I mean. And that'll be based on the the outcomes that that particular funder is is looking to achieve as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think lots of businesses always think, you know, oh, you know, I need the money, I need this, you know, you can't fund everything yourself. So it's nice to hear sometimes where you actually, the the potential avenues you can follow. And obviously you have a team behind you. So can you tell us what the team behind the business looks like? And is there anything specific that you do or have that kind of keeps the purpose of the business at the core of each team member? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a team of around 10 people now. We have, there's a team of three of us, so three or four of us are quite technical. So we'll do development, we'll do um, building of our courses, that sort of thing. And then teaching when necessary as well. We also have a lot of freelancers that will support with a lot of that teaching and and delivery. Um, Then we have people that look after social media, some of the operations in the background, and we're having to grow the number of project managers we have because of all the projects we have going on as well. So that's what the the team look like. Um, Interestingly, I think a lot of people before they join the company are bought into the mission because they they really care about seeing things change. Um, Most people that have joined have either tried to learn to code before or they want to learn to code in the future. So they've already got that interest in tech. Um, and then they want to see a change of, of the Black women who are representing us within in the tech industry too. So that's already a part of us. And every time that we find it difficult, we remind ourselves of what we're doing and why we're doing it, which keeps everyone grounded and keeps us all, um, you know, it helps us to feel okay when we're going through some of the tougher points. Um, so I think we're just, we're bought in because everyone starts in that way. 
And it's there, it's visible with everything we do because every event, every program we start, everything we put together, um, we see black women benefiting from that. And we also hear their feedback constantly as well. So it's, it's part of who we are as an organization. Brilliant, thank you. Um, Coding Black Females has an impressive lineup of sponsors and partners. How integral are these to the business? And do you have any recommendations for founders looking to retain sponsors and partners? Um, I would say that they are very integral to the business at the moment. Um, so they're very important to what we're trying to do because they believe in the mission and they can support what we're trying to deliver as well. So the the great thing is obviously there's one side of it, the funding, there's also the, the advice side, the support side that they can give you as well, um, which is it's so super beneficial. Um, some of them will provide you with marketing support. They'll provide you with advice around how to run different parts of the business. Really, really, really useful. Um, what I would say in terms of how you can go about finding these founders or finding these organizations, it actually we've actually not done much work to go out and look for companies. Um, they always come to us. So I would say it's actually about being authentic in your business, being clear with what you're trying to achieve and be personal about it as well. I would say, you know, make, if it's core to you and who you are, people are going to come to you um, if it's important. So I would say it's about being authentic, not saying that we won't ever go out to companies, we will, and we do when we apply for funding and opportunities and things like that. But typically they've come to us because they hear us talking about it and they they hear the community talking about it as well. They We have people who work in their companies who have said, you know, work with Code of Black Females. So you know, they're, they're ambassadors, they're people that are out there talking about us as well. So be authentic, be honest and be open about what you're doing and people will come to you, especially if you've also got a bunch of people who are part of that mission and part of it who are also sharing the message too. That's some really good advice, actually. Yeah. Um, what are some of the most rewarding experiences that you have had as a founder? I'm sure there have been many ups and downs and everything, but is there anything that particularly stands out for you? Um. I would say the rewarding experiences are when somebody from the community messages me or calls me and tells me some positive news that happened because of what we've done, whether it's direct or indirect, because it shows that it's worth it. Um, I think that's that's always the most rewarding bit because it shows that it's that we're actually doing something because we never really get to hear about it. We tend to just be working. <laughs> constantly in silence or, or with music or whatever we have. Um, but it's it's amazing when you hear somebody from the community tell you, um, I just got a job or I just progressed by like 50K because I went to this and, and I did this course and it's now here. So that for me makes it really, really worth it. Um, and then obviously it's, it's lovely to get the recognition that we do get with awards and, and things like that too. That's really, really exciting. It shows that Yes, the community love it, but it's actually being recognised externally too. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's the rewarding bit. It's, it's really the community. And then the additional niceties of, of being recognised for it is always fantastic. That's lovely. Um, can you tell us, I think we've actually talked about this a, a fair bit already, but we can talk about it more. Um, how did you first realise there was a need to provide extra support for Black female developers to improve the accessibility of the tech industry? Um, from the people who are asking for it. 
So mm-hmm. it never started with companies saying, can you do this? It didn't start with a grant saying, can you do this? It started with people saying, we need this. Can you make it available? Um, and what that meant was then we started looking for the right opportunities. Um, you would, it means that when a company comes to you and says, I want to help you or support you in delivering a boot camp or something, and you've had 10 people say to you, Can you deliver a boot camp? You know it's the right thing to do because you know you've got people who are asking you for it. Um, so it's always been about what are the community listening to, listening, listening out for, what are they asking for, and how can we make that possible? So even back when we first started out, people would say they wanted to go to tech conferences, but they just really hated being the only black woman in the room and they didn't want to do it. So I was like, okay, fine. I will contact conferences and I'll get like 50 tickets and then you can go with 50 black women rather than on your own. And then that made a difference for them. They were able to access more opportunities because they were now getting to conferences together instead. So it was about listening um, and then always responding to the needs of the community. And we still do that now, but we do it in a way that's more structured, that's manageable <laughs> as you grow. Um, you know, we we have to also work within, um, I guess, more confines if you want. Um, but then if someone says they want a certain type of event, we, we can put that on. And if they say they want a certain type of role, we can find the right company for them. So we can still make that happen and still listen to the community to give them what they're looking for. That's amazing. Yeah, it's about that representation, kind of what you just touched on, which is really, really important, you know, whenever you go to any conference, anything work related, just life related. So you have an MBE, which is a great achievement. Can you tell us a bit more about how you found out about this, what it actually means and what happens around it? Because I'm actually quite curious myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm still curious. Um, So um, it was actually lovely. Um, I had, it was actually a fantastic day when I found out because I had my parents visiting, which was a random time for them to visit as well. And I got a letter through the door and I was like, mom, mom, it says Her Majesty's government on it. I don't know what to do with this. So I opened this letter and it was like, you've been given an MBA or, or the prime minister is recommending you to the queen for an MBA, which... I didn't really, I was like, I can't read this, mum. You're going to have to read this for me. She was like, give it to your dad. So I ran up the stairs and gave it to my dad. Because um, I still haven't really read the letter. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was actually quite nice to be to be recognised for the work that, that we've been doing. Um, it shows that it's needed and that it's important. So I was awarded it for technology, services to, that, to technology and diversity, um, because of the impact that we're having on the industry in, in that space. Um, in terms of what it means, um, I re- I genuinely don't know yet. <laughs> I haven't had the ceremony yet to collect the medal, so I'm not sure what happens next. I know that I can get a coat of arms, so I might do that. Um, but if anything, it means that it's quite useful for, for some introductions, I suppose. Um, I've noticed I get invited to more things for networking. So I get to meet some more people, which is which is amazing as well. Great, thanks. That must have been such a surreal day as well. It was an extremely surreal day. <laughs> very, very <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about your support system? Um, whether that be personal or in work both is great so it's actually fantastic because I have a support system both inside and outside of work Um, so outside of work my friends absolutely amazing my parents absolutely amazing Um, there's it's very rare that there's nobody that I can go to if there's a problem or if there's if I'm stressed if I'm tired 
I'm exhausted. I call my friends and we go out for dinner or they tell me to go to bed. Um, or if um, I need advice, my parents have been amazing. So they, they've always been involved in community and technology as well. So they, they've always been able to give me that support, um, which has been amazing. And then at work, if I'm overworked or if people notice that I'm not eating, or drinking water there's people there that are supporting me with that as well so <laughs> there's a support network all around me which is fantastic um and you know not just me we're doing it for each other we're trying to make sure that we're all okay um I'm lucky in that a lot of people that I know are all on different missions trying to change things so we know what it's like getting involved in that sort of space and and we try to support each other where we can Wonderful. And the, the next few questions are kind of a little bit more about you, your mindset, and just to find out more about Charlene Hunter, really. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Was going into the tech industry always your plan or what are your ambitions? Um, I, I didn't really want to go into the tech industry because when I was a kid, I thought it was a dying industry and I didn't think it made any sense, which when I look back was ridiculous. I don't know why no one told me that that wasn't true um but it's because I used to do a lot of like building computers and networking and things like that which didn't feel like it had a future of you know building a computer all the time didn't really feel like a thing um so I didn't want to go into tech I wanted to go into accounting because it felt like a natural next step for maths um either accounting or actuary I believe were things I was looking at um so I had a go at doing some like bookkeeping and doing people's accounts and I got really good at Sage and it was fantastic. Well, fantastic is not the word. It was just really boring. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I did some payroll jobs and it wasn't that much fun for me. And then I had one summer where I did some coding. Um, I built someone's website for them. Nothing exciting, quite a basic website, but it was just so much fun asking them what they wanted, putting down the requirements, doing the wireframes, building it, and then doing some testing and, and giving it back to them. That was fantastic. And I loved it. And then I realized that that's what I wanted to do, not the thing that I didn't really enjoy, but I thought I should do. Um, so at that point, I did a computer science master's to, to develop my skills in that space so that I would open up the opportunities for where I could apply. Um, and it did. And yeah, got a job as a consultant pretty much soon after that. That's amazing. I think a lot of people get stuck in that sort of trap of doing what they think they should do rather than what they actually enjoy. But it's great that you found that passion. Um, if you could meet, this is quite a fun one. If you could meet one famous individual, alive or dead, who would you pick and why? That's a really hard question. Um, I wish I'd <laughs> wish I'd planned an answer to that one. Well, um, I need to pick two if you're really struggling, but that's as much as we could do. Um, um, I think I would like to, I think when I was younger, okay, when I was younger, I really, really wanted to meet Oprah because I really liked it when she gave out cars to everybody. Um, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And it made me really want to meet Oprah, but also be Oprah. I decided I'm not going to be her now because I'm not giving out cars to everybody and I'm not like a billionaire. But um, <laughs> I think that she's somebody that always inspired me. I think every... It sounds really silly, but I feel like at every stage, um, every stage of my life where I've had an achievement, I used to really want to write Oprah a letter to tell her about it. So I would say that, because obviously she'd care because I wrote her a letter, but you know. Um, yeah, so I think that she used to really inspire me. I used to just love seeing her on the television. I guess that representation thing, knowing that she was, you know, doing very, very well for herself. Um, she was so influential seeing that when I was growing up was was fantastic for me so yeah always loved Oprah 
I mean, if you do change your mind, you want to start giving out cars and stuff. I'll happily be there <laughs> if you change your mind. I will give you one. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> um, what is one piece of wisdom that you could share with our listeners, especially for our female listeners who, you know, wish to get into the tech industry, but obviously are very likely struggling because it's a male dominated industry. Do you have any advice or just a tip for them? Maybe. Um, I guess one tip is that there are many, many ways in and there is, there is an opportunity for you. Um, that opportunity could be in coding, but it doesn't have to be in coding. It could be in, um, I don't know, cloud engineering. It could be in other things that I can't think of, like AI and, and machine learning. There's there's so many things that you can do in the tech industry now. You could be a product manager or a business analyst or something that's like tech adjacent where you're not necessarily in the technology, but you're contributing to technology. So there's so many roles out there that you can get involved in. So there's always a space for you in tech is one thing I would say. Um, loads and loads of routes into it as well. So you could um, you could do the boot camps, you could do self-learning, you could go to university. The key thing is evidence. So people, no matter what route you go down, somebody at some point in an interview is going to ask you to show them what you have done and you know show that you can describe your passion or, or show that you can you've built something in the past and how did you go about doing it so if you do a lot of self-learning build a project or something like that so that you can say yeah i did loads of self-learning but here's a tangible outcome that i had when i was going through that process to show actually i'm i'm motivated enough that i didn't stop at the end of this tutorial i went on and built something that i could show to somebody and that benefits me a little bit um, so I would say have something to show. Um, there's there's many routes into, and the big one I guess is, and I know everyone says it, but genuinely be authentic, like genuinely be yourself. Um, if a company doesn't like who you are, you don't want to be there anyway. So be yourself when you're going to go in, um, and then you'll find the right place for you where you don't have to pretend, you don't have to act. Um, I always remember when I was starting out. Um, in tech and I, I learned the rules to football when I started drinking beer so that I could fit in and then I started and no one knew football it wasn't a team that liked football and no one drank well they all drank beer and I, yes, I actually quite like beer now but I don't think it was necessary because the fact that I didn't know football was fine and I could also drink other drinks so you don't have to fit in you can just be yourself um so yeah I think that's probably the main tips I would give um you can you can get in however you want and be who you are at the moment great thank you that was such a lovely last question to end on but we have sadly come to the end so thank you so much for joining us charlene it's been such a pleasure to have you on season three of the lost and founded podcast where can the listeners find out more about yourself and coding black females to see what's next in store for you well, um, you can find me on social media. So I'm Charlene P. Hunter on all platforms, I believe. And you can find out about Code and Black Females on the Code and Black Females website. So that's codeandblackfemales.com. But also we are Code and Black Females on social media as well. So you'll find us everywhere. Just Google this. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Charlene. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences. 